Hello and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour. I am your host, Vince. Hello, Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. A show that dives into the wreckage that is post-apocalyptia. I'm your host, Vince. How are you? Hopefully, the audio sounds a little better this week. I have a brand new microphone cable. This is like a real deal. This is a Roland cable. It's also XLR to XLR, hooked up to a Focusrite, hooked up to a USB very few people are going to know or care what any of that means, but to me, that shit's really cool. Uh, and this is, it should sound better. It's been a little, like, there's background noise in every episode. I try to edit out the background noise. I try to filter everything through, and it doesn't always work. Uh, but I thought if I bought a better cable, it's a 20-foot cable, so I could go my entire room and just talk into this microphone. The entire space room, essentially. It's 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 a long cable. Like I said, it's a good brand. My drum machine is also a Roland, so it's a brand that I trust. And we're here. How are you? Hope you're well. You're looking fine. You're looking fantastic. Let's get into this week. A few things I want to talk about before I get into the lore real quick. Some fun things, things that Kyle recently sent me. One of them being, uh, he sent me a couple things Two of them I really want to talk... One of them I really want to talk about. I thought he sent me multiple. Excuse me. One of them being that there's a... If you grew up watching Jackass, uh, like I did, if you watch any of, like, Wild Boys, uh, Viva La Bam, stuff like that, Bam Margera is somewhat of, like, a hometown hero. Like, a local fella. uh, A dude who's just from my area, more or less. And I've watched his just being on drugs and having multiple health issues and what have you and then his friend dies ryan dunn and jackass kind of stops for a minute and then he's just a mess and he looks like his dad and the irony of him making fun of his dad for being fat just for him to get fat and now he looks exactly like his dad uh there's been things of him like fighting with his girlfriend or his wife in public over their child but he's on the run in pennsylvania now bam didn't like live next door to me but he lived so close to me that he would show up in my town to get drunk fairly often and it's just interesting to watch this person who was like a dude i watched on television was like oh he's doing silly wacky crazy stuff with his friends oh cool like that and then just see him spiral out it's just one of those things that like i saw this thing today that like you're born into this body we didn't choose to be born into this body but we have the hope that we'll we'll make something of ourselves in some capacity and it's like yeah bam absolutely had the capability to do that and did do that for a while but like Maybe he flew too close to the sun. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that. So I'm probably just talking out of my ass. It was just something quick. But what I really want to talk about that's important is unionization. If you work at a place and you feel like you're underrepresented and you're talked down to because you're stupid and because you feel like you could be replaced, you have to do everything you have to do, Union unionization may be able to fix that. They're not paying you as much as they could be paying you. They could be paying you a lot more. I'm going to tell you that right now. I do not get paid enough for what I do at my job, uh, and there, and I'm just some idiot with a podcast. Like I'm just some piece of shit who yells into a into a microphone weekly, and there are people that I work with that have children and grandchildren and need to work, and 
a lot of their problems could be fixed by a few extra dollars every paycheck and those few extra dollars could come with unionization now unionization for many industry i feel like we're on like the cusp of this happening we i work in a world where labor day exists and labor day is supposed to give laborers off but the only people who get labor day off are people that sit behind desks people that aren't doing work people that are making phone calls not getting into the office till nine ten o'clock and are salaried and are salaried meaning they if they miss a day of work because they're sick or have to attend to something they don't really feel any sort of ramifications they just weren't in the office that day. Labor Day was made for the worker, and the worker, my, my father is a plumber, and I would watch on all of the federal holidays, my dad go out and work because people had people coming over. Oh, it's the Labor Day picnic. I have somebody coming over. So my dad didn't get to spend, a laborer didn't get to spend any holidays with us because other people had people coming over. And I, I hear the argument you could charge a grip on that day, but, you know, money and time, time is the one currency we never get back. I could go out and spend $200 tomorrow and make 300 the next day. But time, time, you don't get that shit back. So, Sega. Sorry, that was my proletariat rant. I apologize. Sega is the next company that is going to unionize. This is a thing that is going to... I want to see how this is going to affect the gaming market because I think it's very much games are going to take longer to come out or we're going to go back to smaller games. Or we're just going to have to wait longer and it's going to be like, instead of getting three Sly Coopers on one console or three Grand Theft Autos or on one console or Spyros or all these other great games that people love, instead of getting three of them or two of them or getting two generations of console and four or five games you're just gonna get copy paste stuff like far cry which if you like far cry god bless but i'm just saying far cry used the same map over and like mirrored it and that was it and just put a different texture on it you're gonna get something like far cry you're gonna get something that just feels like the same over and over again or it's gonna take anywhere from seven to ten years to make a game and that's kind of where we're going but sega in my opinion that's where we're going but sega is going to unionize and this is from the verge sega of america is the latest video game studio to organize it stands to be the largest multi-department video game union in the united states this article comes from the verge and it's written by ash Parrish. and the tagline for when kyle sent me this link just said you got to unionize fast which made me smile today workers at sega of america's irvine california office have filed for a union election with the national labor relations board or the nlrb the new union allied the employees partnered with the communications workers of america and co consists of a supermajority of 144 employees 144 employees across Sega's QA, localization, live service, marketing, and product development departments, making AEGIS the largest video game union in the States. Uh, this is a quote from one of the workers. Our workers and our audience deserve games made by people who are making a living wage. In our quest to reclaim our collective power, we have built bridges with fellow workers from across our company in an effort to understand our shared issues, those that are unique to each department. So I won't read the entire thing. There's probably a link in the description to this article. But it's 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 I feel like it's coming. I feel like the great like I don't want to get into a political rant. 
with editing, this is probably seven minutes in. I don't want to get into a political rant this early into the episode, but we're not being paid enough. We're not, man. We're not. The price of living goes up and wages have been the same for over a decade. And the fight for 15 should now be the fight for 35. $15 an hour is not... I remember being a kid and be like, man, $15 an hour is a lot of money. Now it's like, I can't leave the house without spending 30 bucks. And I go grocery shopping. I meal prep. I'm lucky enough that the meal prepping that I do is relatively cheap. I go to Costco and I buy like damn near 20 pounds of chicken. And that is my lunch, chicken and broccoli. It's also because I work out, but it like, <laughs> like that's what I have. And then dinner, turkey and broccoli and turkey went up, but chicken didn't. And I lucked out there, but like it's, do I go out or do I just order in two times? Like, can I go out with my friends? And, like, I don't understand how people date in this economy. Like, unless you have four roommates, like, it's impossible. And I know if you're of my age and if you're of my generation, if you're of my ilk, you are aware of these things. And they're not things that I really need to complain about. It's just pay people, man. You make more money in the long run. If people are happy at work, you will make, like, I, you could work the most piss poor job, but if you made $23 an hour, if you made $35 an hour, if you made $45 an hour flipping burgers, I'd be like, if I made $35 an hour flipping burgers, which I'm happy that that's not my profession, but if it was, I'd be like SpongeBob. I'd be putting little cheese blankets on the pickles and doing little eyes and tucking them in. And I'd be like, here you go. And I like, because I, I would know that not only could I go out and I could eat and I could do like CEOs don't work. Sorry, but they don't. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? No CEO, no startup has ever been no, no Silicon Valley startup has ever been of their own money. Their parents were millionaires and they were like, Oh, we got a, a small loan of a quarter of a million a dog, a quarter of a million. A quarter of a million. The average person makes like $36,000 a year. <laughs> For you to even, that's that's like almost a decade's worth of work before tax. Anyway, let me get into the lore. It, 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 Sega's unionizing and it's a good thing. The more this happens, the more better games can come out. Maybe Sonic Frontiers, I believe that was the name because I was flipped that in forces sonic frontiers is a fine game i enjoyed it for what it is i had a good time but it's a step in the right direction and maybe if the studio unionizes we can move forward and go back to the golden age of sonic and get some good adventure type games but let me get into this lore quick i have to thank some people before i get into the lore because of i have because of the patreon because people support the show the show is entirely listener funded i don't have sponsorships i don't have the ability to put ads on my videos yet not I'm about halfway there but still if you enjoy the show please consider supporting in any way you get to pick the lore i'm moving that over i'm moving lore questions and lore polls over onto the patreon and even at, there's there's only a few tiers there's a dollar and there's the ten dollar and that's it that's the only tier that's the, there's a range it's one three five and ten that's how you could support in any way at the one dollar tier you get to pick you get to have a voice in picking lore. At the $10 tier, you get the same thing, but at the $10 tier, it's the film live in front of a studio audience tier. And that tier means you get to listen to these episodes get recorded live in the Discord. I did it last week for free. 
And this week we're going back. I did it last week for free because of episode 250. But this week we're, we're back to the regularly scheduled um, Patreon members get it. And I'm thinking about doing every 50 episodes, every benchmark episode gets a free watch, a free listen, if you will. Now, the people I have to thank, starting from the top, because of you guys, this show becomes bigger and better. I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you, Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least is newcomer Captain Lennox. Thank you, Captain Lennox. Because of you guys, the show continues to get bigger and better, and I can do, I can afford this cable. Like, as silly as it sounds, I just got done on a rant about how we're not paid enough, but like this cable, it was cheaper than the most expensive one there, obviously. But like, these cables are, audio equipment is not cheap, and I just want to make the audio, and soon the visual, as soon as I can get all my things in order, uh, to be as best as it can be. And because of you guys, you helped me facilitate that. So thank you. I love you. Now, this week's lore, I went to the Patreon, and this is completely my fault. I went to the Patreon, and it was like 18 hours before the poll ended. And I said, hey, let's go to Fallout 4. Let's talk about Fallout 4. I've been having this hankering to play Fallout 4. Kind of hope they put Fallout 4 on the Switch. They won't. But I wanted them to. I've been playing a lot of the Switch lately. Cult of the Lamb is an amazing game. And I want to try this Crab Fighter game. But anyway, I went on there and I was like, hey, who do you want to hear more about? Nick Valentine or dance? And because I didn't give anybody the appropriate amount of time, no one actually picked. And that's entirely my fault. And I apologize. So I picked. And if you want to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, join the Patreon. Even at a dollar a month, you get to pick. You get to have a hand in picking every week's lore. Also, join the Discord because sometimes I'll ask there or leave a YouTube comment. But this week, by way of Patreon, even though I chose it, this week's lore is on Nick Valentine. If you've played Fallout 4, which I'm assuming you have if you're here, you know about Nick Valentine. One of the first... One of the first uh, promo images I remember is seeing Nick walk in scholar, scholarly, scholarly Square, however it's pronounced. I still can't say it. Seeing him walk through uh, Valentine's Detective Agency, you've probably seen. And if I remember correctly, he was one of the first characters or things that was rendered for the idea of Fallout 4. He's originally, now Nick Valentine is a cop. He's a detective from Chicago pre-war. And he was involved in Operation Winter's End to find infamous mobster Eddie Winter, a crime boss who allegedly owned a sub shop, probably to wash money. He was brought to Boston, a Chicago native, like I said. Eddie Winter is a Boston mobster, and he's taken, Nick is taken to Boston to investigate. Now, Eddie finds out about Nick and his fiance Jennifer Lance, and Eddie Winter kills his girlfriend in an act of revenge for trying to encroach on his organized crime business. Now, the BADTFL, or the Bureau of Alcohol, Drugs, Tobacco, Firearms, and Lasers, the Bad Tufla, had found out information that Eddie Winter knew about 
Nick Valentine and the missus. But they didn't put the pair of them, they didn't put Nick and didn't put his fiance Jen into witness protection out of fear that this would compromise the investigation. And on top of all of this, Eddie Winter had made a deal with the BADTFL to lock up his constituents so he would get less time. Now, I'm not going to go super into Eddie Winter because we're not here to talk about Winter. We're here to talk about Nick Valentine. But weeks before the bombs drop, Operation Winter's End ends. And Nick, because of all of this, this traumatic event of his girlfriend dying, him feeling responsible, he develops severe PTSD. And to treat his severe PTSD, he goes to the Institute, the the, uh, Institute of Technology, later to just be called the Institute in Boston. What, what, the, the fallout equivalent of MIT, it's CIT, the Commonwealth Institute of Technology. He goes there and gets his brain scanned. Now, this is used for Nick's personality later on, which I'll get into in a bit. The Institute, the bombs drop, the Institute is relatively safe inside of Boston. And they start their synthetic human program, as you probably know. So they make two Gen 2 synths that are prototypes to try out a new sort of way of making synths and seeing what they can do. There's two types of synths that are built for this, two prototypes. One being the prototype that is Nick Valentine. His prototype, there are memories implanted, tons of different memories implanted into this synth body. And a brother who later goes by the name Dima who is allowed to make his own memories and his own thoughts and his own actions just from living. This all happens more than 100 years before 2287. Dima and Nick almost become brothers. Dima refers to Nick as his brother because they're born together. They kind of do the same things together. They develop a brotherly bond. Both of them are being experimented on and Dima discusses plans for escape. But before they can escape, the Institute uploads Nick Valentine, the cop, fully to this synth, this Gen 2 prototype synth. This is incredibly confusing, I understand. But this is when Nick Valentine becomes Nick Valentine. He was now identifying as the pre-war cop, Nick Valentine. Now, 200 years later, Nick Valentine just wakes up. The real Nick Valentine died sometime after the bombs dropped. So he's gone, but his memories, his thoughts, up until the point that CIT scanned them, exist somewhere in their databanks and now this is what they're doing they're trying to they're trying to replicate that person he wakes up quote-unquote wakes up and attacks Dima Dima knocks him out and leaves him in a pile of garbage and he wakes up an amount of time later and walks across the wastes so imagine this imagine a man essentially this man's memories end with Jennifer that's it his girlfriend Jennifer they end there. It, they, he has his entire life. He has childhood. He has his first kiss. He has prom. He has his first car. Uh, the time he got evicted. He has the police academy. Him being a detective. All of this in his memory. And then Winter's End ends. And his PTSD gets his brain scanned. And then his memory stopped there. But... That human goes on and then dies. And then 200 years later, this consciousness of memories wakes up. And it's in a world he does not understand, in a body he does not recognize. He walks the wastes 
for years and due to his prototype brain he has a smaller amount of memory and winds up eventually forgetting about his brother Dima. Most of the commonwealth shared an equal amount of disdain and interest in Nick but synths. Eventually he came across a small community and there was a mechanic there who was able to fix him up a bit. Inside of this community, there really wasn't much that Nick talked about in-game or, or on the wiki, and I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukipedia, if you will. On the wiki, it doesn't say much about the town other than he befriends a child by the name of Jim, one of his earliest friends. Uh, he later leaves the community. He leaves the settlement. He wants to go see what else is out there. And years later, he returns and sees it has been ransacked and destroyed by raiders. So Nick eventually makes his way to Diamond City. As you know, if you've played Fallout 4, there was a man by the name of Henry Roberts, who was the mayor before McDonough. And Nick finds the mayor's daughter. He was just stumbling about in the waste and all of a sudden comes upon a woman, a young woman, who was kidnapped. These raiders all point guns at Nick and are saying, oh, we're going to shoot, we're going to shoot. And he understands with his quick wit of being a detective that there, this woman, this young woman is in distress and possibly kidnapped. And he just kind of looks at them and says that he has a bomb inside of his chest and just goes beep, 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 and like walks towards them. And then all of a sudden they scurry away. And then he takes the daughter's mayor back to Diamond City. The mayor rewards him with a house and the citizens at first were very much against a synth living there, but the synth just saved the mayor's daughter and he felt it was the only way to repay him. He essentially gains the respect of them by becoming the handyman and he fixes small things up around Diamond City, but there was a woman, his big case, his big break that really made the people of Diamond City love him is there was a woman who lived there who was presumed dead and Nick, being a detective, goes out and finds that she is only really just run away with her lover. That's it. She just was cheating and left. After this big case, people stop asking Nick to fix little things up around Diamond City, and they just start asking him to find people. By 2287, I don't want to get too much into what he does in game. You are here because you probably know a little bit about Nick because of playing with him side by side. By 2287, he runs Valentine's Detective Agency with his assistant, Ellie Perkins. He's a smooth talking, fast tacking, quick hands, not too shabby with a revolver type and always keen with a quip. The events of the Soul Survivor happens where either Nate or Nora finds him in Vault 114 and they assist him against finding the woman Darla who is teamed up with and run away with Skinny Malone. And Skinny Malone is an old friend and I've talked about Skinny Malone a little bit in the past, him being a triggerman. He had a respect for Nick because they were friends but also because I think Nick respects him as a businessman and Skinny Malone respects Nick as someone just doing his job. You could take Nick to Far Harbor, he'll meet Dima, and Dima will tell him a little bit about the past, about what he remembers of the two of them. But in the back of Nick's mind, one thing just won't go away. One thought haunts him. And it's the thought of his girlfriend, and Eddie Winter. And even though it's 200 years later, and he's not in the body he remembers, that will not leave him. He cannot get the idea of that out of his head. 
Now that's everything I have written down, but like I said, I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. Uh, and I'd like to read some quick notes off of that, just some stuff that I might have missed and or smaller notes that I just want to double check on. Fallout 4 suffers from a thing that I like to call main character syndrome, where every companion thinks they're the main character and you just they just don't die. Even though he can't die, he has a death quote where he says, Not like this. Despite being an early model synth and made of gears and sprockets, as he says, he can actually be healed with a stim pack or revived with a stim pack as if he was made with flesh. Nick Valentine will comment whenever the mysterious stranger appears in vats with the mysterious stranger perk. If one finds the case file under Valentine's bed, it will detail the notes of the mysterious stranger case that dates back to the original Fallout timeline. The file will note the really old rumors about the mysterious stranger appearing in Shady Sands, where the vault dweller assisted the residents in the first Fallout. The only exception is New Vegas, which is not mentioned. Preston Garvey is given gifts from people saying thank you for your previous help, and Nick gets the same, but he refuses to take them. Also, he prays the churches, which is a nice little touch that I like, that it's just something that he kept from the pre-war. There's a random encounter where a group of raiders will go to attack, and right before they attack, if you're with Nick, he'll they'll stop and go, oh, this is Nick, and Nick's like, oh, well, thanks for not shooting. I'm happy that you... Uh, made something of yourself we're just gonna walk away he says if taken to acadia after the sole survivor has suggested nick not accept dima as family dima may say good to see you again brother which nick reply replies with i'd prefer to keep it nick and dima for now if nick has chosen to accept dima nick will say it's good to see you too dima Nick's voiceover in Far Harbor is somewhat different from the tone and pitch of his voice in the base game, being slightly deeper and slower in delivery. Although voice actor Steven Russell returned for Far Harbor, Nick sounds moderately different in the two appearances due to different recording sessions happening at different times. Russell also voiced Dima in Far Harbor, and the two characters will interact with each other. According to Emil Pagliarulo, Nick was one of the first characters created for Fallout 4. An original design document contained concepts for Nick even before the setting of the game was finalized. His origins lie in a sketch by Adam... Adam or... I, I'm so sorry. I know what it's like to have a hard last name. Sketch by Adam Adam Orowitz during the early pre-production of Fallout 4, which describes the idea for a scrapped-up metallic Kendall detective inspired by the x-files emil or i'm sorry emil then created a deeper concept for nick based on his love for noir detective films emil paglarula i'm so sorry i can never say your name correctly and jeff gardner have both stated that nick is their favorite character character in the entirety of the Fallout series. Nick quotes Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven when he first sees the Pridwin. He also quotes Percy Bache, Shelley's sonnet Ozymandias, if he is brought to General Atomics Galleria. If he is present during the explosion of the nucleus, he quotes the Bagdavid Gita 
Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The exact sentence quoted by J. Robert Oppenheimer after witnessing the first nuclear test detonation. So that's all I have for you pretty much on Nick Valentine. A character who I think grabbed everybody almost immediately. A character that had so much style and panache to him. Someone who you can actually see maybe existing in these worlds. He's serious enough to be a character and he's also silly enough to be a character. He brings the best of both and he's just a smooth talk and sly guy. That's Nick Valentine and that's all of the lore I have for you for this week. So I had an idea planned for what I wanted to do in this third segment. And Kevin Smith ruined it. And I don't, I don't mean ruined it. It's just something I want to talk about. I, wanted, I had an idea for a Fallout-related thing. But I need to write a little more about it after reading my notes again. And just... Kevin Smith is a man who has made a ton of films that I think are incredibly special films. They're movies that I feel like speak to a generation. Uh, they speak to people, even me, who was not the intended audience for Clerks, for Clerks 2, for Chasing Amy, for Mallrats, for a lot of his stuff. It's stuff that just seemed honest. It seemed, it's also like the whole, you know, I took out all these credit card loans and made this movie and did all this stuff. Like, it speaks to me. As someone who wants to make his own movie and is toying around with ideas, it's something that really means something to me, like like the, the, the spirit of creativity. And in a recent interview with People Magazine for their YouTube channel, Kevin Smith came out and said that for the past month or so, he had been inside of a mental institution because he forgot who he was. He thought that he didn't exist anymore. He had a whole thing. And this is a man who turned his entire lifestyle into a way to make money. And he said in it, I don't know what I like anymore. I don't know who I am. He refers to the, the version of himself that we knew publicly as the other guy, that Kevin Smith, which was his Twitter handle, if I remember correctly. And he, he said he went to go find the real him one day. And the guy wasn't there and he was afraid that maybe the fake version of him used the real version of him's fuel to keep him going. And he had started smoking weed for 15 years and it just numbed him. And he said he would wake up, smoke, smoke all throughout the day, go to bed, get four hours of sleep, wake up still high and then keep smoking. For 15 years he said he was pretty much numb. He had a heart attack, lost a ton of weight. And it was just, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm crying watching it, talking about the amygdala and like how your brain reacts to trauma and your brain doesn't understand that because you weren't in New York on 9-11 doesn't mean that your trauma isn't the same as someone calling you fat in front of the classroom. Like those, that's, that's his, his example was being called fat and my example of 9-11 because tragedy. And your brain just takes trauma as trauma. There is no level to it. And he says during the thing, he goes, I know there's people watching this going, oh, you think that's bad? I got called that and 10 times worse. And you want to play the, like the oppression Olympics or like the trauma Olympics. And he's like, but your brain doesn't see it as that. Your brain tries to minimize things and push things down. And just, this is a man who has like arguably everything he wants, successful podcasts, movies. And he said like, one of the first things was a sexual abuse thing when he was a child. And he goes, I grew up 
to be a director because no one was ever going to tell me what to do ever again. And he's a man in his 50s. And I really, 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 really think you should watch this. I think everybody should watch it. Like, I, I think it's just something that, like, whether you like the man's films or not, I think you'd agree. Like, I think we push ourselves so far to the point, like, I, kind of to echo what I was saying earlier in the program, we push ourselves and we work and we work and we work. And you sit there and you go, well, what are your hobbies? Because they ask Kevin, they go, what are your hobbies? And he goes... Well, I do podcasting and I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that. And he, they go, no, Kevin, what do you do for fun? What do you do that isn't work? And he goes, I didn't know. And it scared him. And, it, and like, like I was saying earlier, I don't have the money sometimes to go out and do fun things. Like this weekend, I'm going to a baseball game. Actually, when this comes out, I'll be in, I'll be in Denver for a baseball game. Like, because it's just something that I need to do. Like I can feel myself, I can, my room, my place is starting to gather clothes and piles of things that need to be taken care of. I never have a dirty place, but a messy place. You know what they say, a messy place, messy, messy mind. Anyway, it's just, I can feel it. I need to go out and do something and I can, I can feel it coming. And I'm trying to not, not that I'm going to have a psychotic break like Kevin Smith, but I can, I can feel, I'm used to it at this point. I know when the time is coming. I'm, I'm more agitated. I'm not drinking enough water. I'm not going to the gym enough. That's more because my back hurt for a month and a half. But like, it's little things that like, I know how to check in on myself now. And I'm sitting there and I'm really listening to what this man has to say. And this is a man whose opinion I like, I value. Like he's a creator. Like he's someone whose work inspires me. I said last week for episode 250 that this I want this to feel like the post-nuclear Wayne's world. I don't I want fancy equipment, but I don't want fancy equipment to where it feels like you're listening to something like the Joe Rogan experience or something on NPR. I want the show to always feel like it has a very home movie type feel to it. Something that you can sit down and it's cozy, it's comfy, like you can listen to me talk and stammer and stutter over my words and say, uh, but, um, like over and over again, like, because it feels real because I want this to feel like something that you found an old VHS tape, popped it in the player and went. And I just, I'm tired. And I, I really, really, really identified with Kevin Smith in the thing in the little video for people. I'm I like I finished it and I really genuinely thought about just watching the entire thing over again. Here's the point I was making that I got away from and just tried to play it off by saying I'm tired. His movies, especially Clerks, was made on such a shoestring budget that that's what I want the show to feel like. The earnestness the earnestness of Clerks. And hopefully they bring back Clerks the animated series. They won't, but I hope they will. Like, things like that. Like, it, it felt real. It felt close to home. Like, it felt... Clerks won. The first Clerks feels like you and your friends hanging out. Like, it, it feels like your buddy who works at a convenience store and you go there to hang out. And you're like, hey, man, you can't be here. And it's like, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? I'm eating Fritos. Here's a nickel. Like, it just... Check in on your friends. Mental health is very important. Trauma is trauma, no matter how big or how small. That's really what I took away from that. Because, you know, we all have it. And we all try to minimize it. We all get in front of stages. And we all say, we all get on stages in front of audience and say, look at me, I'm normal, I'm fine, I'm peachy keen. But are we? 
That's all I really have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show, the intro music is by the one and only Shane Ivers. Link in the description below to his music. The show, the sa- the song is called Feather Duster, but you can get all of his free music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. Link in the description of my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter. You can also find a link to the Discord, the Patreon. Thank you to the Patreon. Remember, one to ten bucks a month gets you a choice in the lore, and ten dollars a month gets you to watch these vid- these videos be recorded live. Which, during this, uh, I found out one of the people was trying to get in couldn't, so it's something I'm gonna have to troubleshoot next week and fix. Uh, if you check out the Redbubble, there's some designs there that I've made that you can purchase. And a little bit of money comes my way. A little bit of money uh, goes to Redbubble. But I can make the show get bigger and better. I love you. There's a lot I've had to say. I'm very, very tired. I need to go. I need to eat a pizza pie. I love you very much. Check in on your friends. I love you. And I will see you soon. Bye. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Goulman Entertainment Production.